you want to find and keep your tribe of raving fans, I want to support that journey. This is the Digging Deep Podcast with your host, Justin Lamb of 360 Media. I explore ways to help you build a more attractive business that finds and keeps your tribe of raving fans. Hey everybody, this is Justin Lamb. You're listening to episode 36 of the Digging Deep Podcast, where I help business owners build a better business. And today, I'm going to start a little bit of something different. Uh, Generally, for those people who are just tuning in for the very first time, uh, welcome. Thank you, first of all. And, you know, really appreciate you taking some time to listen to this podcast. Uh, Generally, I really spend some time in the industries, uh, interviewing different business owners about various topics to help build a better business. And we talk about things like relationships, uh, we talk about, you know, how you can be a better business owner, you know, business tools, marketing strategies, uh, all sorts of these different things that we can tie together to build a better business. Now, over the next few months, I thought I would add a little bit more uh, of my own personal content uh, sprinkled in because I don't want to bore you all to death because uh, I'm deeply passionate about it, but I don't really want you to be snoozing at the wheel. So uh, I, I'm going to give you, you know, maybe one podcast a month or so that really is just myself talking about some of the things, uh, some of the things I've learned over the last two decades uh, owning 360 uh, and some of the things that maybe I can share with you and help you through, you know, wherever you are in your uh, entrepreneurial journey. And so today I thought I'd talk about a little bit, you know, the starting point where everything kind of started for me and, you know, what has led to, you know, this transformation for me, you know, becoming uh, a photographer and ultimately now uh, more of a brand strategist and understanding brand at a much deeper level uh, than you know, I could have ever imagined. And so when I first started my journey, uh, it was a little bit over two decades ago in terms of entrepreneurship. And I really did start my world uh, selling paper flowers, uh, origami flowers. And it was something I did as a hobby. Somebody taught me how to do it. uh, And people really quite liked it. Uh, And I've always had sort of this knack about finding things uh, and, and items or services that people seem to resonate with uh, and that could really sell. Uh, it was one of those things that I kind of developed an innate selling mentality or foresight. Uh, in the early years, I worked as a personal trainer and as a personal trainer, you had to kind of sell clients. Uh, I worked a lot in customer service. I was a, I, I worked at budget rent-a-car for a while. I vacuumed vehicles and inspect them. Uh, I worked in call centers and worked with some of the, the, the most hostile call centers you could possibly want to work at, um, you know, where you know, people were just angry. Uh, they're dealing with new implemented policies from the government. Um, you know, I worked as a cashier at Safeway and all of these things accumulated to a very strong customer service, you know, customer centric kind of mentality. Uh, I've been service-based for so much of my life uh, that it really is kind of second nature. And, you know, it's something that I really enjoy. I really enjoy uh, trying to make the user experience a good experience. And so, you know, I started selling paper flowers early on and, 
you know, I, I tried to innovate, find ways to kind of set it apart. And none of this was really pre-planned. It was more so I felt that there was a need to kind of elevate whatever was existing. And, you know, years down the road, we, we liken that to research and development. But, you know, back then it was just, you know, how can I make it stand out? How can I make it sell better? How can I make it sell for more money? Uh, and, and, you know, I spent a lot of time kind of trying to doing that. And, you know, we sold bouquets, you know, from people who were, when I worked at Safeway, I sold them to people there. I sold them to people up at SFU when I was working there. Uh, and, and even as a fundraiser for our kinesiology department, you know, which, which was what I was studying at SFU, you know, for the kinesiology student association, I, I even offered to sell those at, um, um, during breaks and whatever, just to kind of raise money and uh, fundraise. And so, you know, that was sort of my really first foray into, you know, the world of business. And I really did enjoy it. I, I liked the hustle. I liked the, the satisfaction of when, you know, you put all this work into it. And at the end of it all, uh, you were able to see the fruits of your labor. And I think that was something that I really lacked because, you know, working for different companies, uh, I found that didn't matter how hard I worked. It didn't matter, you know, if I wanted to innovate, try something new, uh, be better, have great stats. At the end of the day, nobody really appreciated it. Uh, in fact, I think there was more resentment from some of the fellow coworkers who didn't maybe necessarily work as hard or didn't really necessarily enjoy their work as much. And I always felt that work should challenge me uh, and that I should always try to find a way to be better at it and find a way to kind of just make it my own. Uh, so long story, story short, I graduated at a Simon Fraser University uh, with a degree in kinesiology. I actually graduated uh, on a co-op year. Um, I broke every rule of co-op. I started late on a co-op. I ended on a co-op. I did two co-op terms. I'm pretty sure uh, the cooperative education coordinator at the time, uh, she probably really wasn't very happy uh, the way I went and barreled through that program. But it was invaluable because it landed me a position uh, in an active rehab uh, clinic where they were massage therapists seeing clients. Uh, and during that time, I really honed some skills. I was constantly trying to learn how to be a better therapist, how I could help another individual overcome some of the the challenges, physical challenges uh, that they were presented with after a car accident, after a work injury, a sports injury. And, you know, it was really something that I was deeply passionate about. And so what happened was, is, <laughs> you know, if about, a, about a year or so, maybe after I, I really got into doing the active rehab therapy, uh, suddenly business came to a grinding halt there. Uh, what ended up happening was that individual uh, who owned the clinic ran into some trouble with the local insurance agents, uh, agency uh, for double billing uh, and, and fraudulent claims. And so uh, all of a sudden, he had to close the clinic down. And, and I had people who I was seeing on a very regular basis, helping them do active rehab. Uh, and, you know, they had nowhere to go. And, and frankly, neither did I. And I didn't really know what to do. Um, at the time, I thought about maybe going to a gym and trying to be a personal trainer and maybe work out there. Uh, what I did notice was that gyms really didn't allow people who weren't really on payroll to come in and be 
uh, a personal trainer uh, without taking you know a, a fairly significant stake uh, out of it. Uh, some of them were just downright no's, and you wouldn't you weren't allowed in there unless you were hired by the company. Uh, I was fortunate enough to come across a gym who was kind of recently opening, uh, and they had an, the the grand vision of having therapists and. You know, they they wanted to to build the very you know integrative solution for you know the gym uh, patrons there, and you know at the time uh, they had personal trainers, and when I first talked to them, they were they were kind of hesitant. They were much like many of the other facilities. They kind of wanted you know a, a percentage take of every person I I had in there, uh, and. And I personally didn't feel like that was going to be the right way for me, especially, you know, the way the billing works with uh, ICBC. I, I can't really roll it through the the front desk, you know, and, and claim claim all of that. Uh, so instead, I managed to work out a scenario where I played rent to the owners of the um, of the facility, and. You know, it was rough, really rough in the beginning because you know I had I'd never paid rent before. I've never, I mean, I'd worked for another massage therapist, uh, and so I really didn't have any idea what overhead really was. Uh, I got in really knee deep, really quick, uh, and I really just had to learn on the fly. And at the time, I mean, Google and YouTube really wasn't around, nor were they really robust to find lots of answers and. You know, only answers I could find were, you know, asking questions to people who were running businesses uh, at the time. And it was fun. Uh, you know, it's stressful all at the same time. You know, I learned quickly uh, about the world of accounting and how good or bad that became. Um, you know, taxes were, were something completely foreign to me at the time. Um, but, you know, just like every other entrepreneur, when you're first starting your journey, you're really you're just really kind of hanging on by the seat of your pants and you're just kind of winging it as you go along. Now there's so much more uh, material available to, to learn from and to learn from so many mistakes. So, you know, uh, it's really great if you can find those resources and really kind of dive right in. Now this podcast really isn't going to go through those individual resources, but we're going to talk about some of the experiences uh, that I had and some things that maybe I could, uh, tell you or share with you that may be necessarily easily found uh, and or, you know, put all together in a way that is kind of coherent. So hopefully over the series of uh, podcasts that I do put out uh, once a month that you're going to be able to pick up some things that, you know, kind of start to link some of those things together. So anyways, I digress. Uh, you know, having a clinic was, was cool. Um, you know, I had clients coming in. I had lots of resentment from the personal trainers because, you know, I was busy uh, because, you know, it really was about me hustling. Uh, but the vantage was, is they were, they were trying to hustle and find clients within the gym and I could bring people in from outside. And of course, you know, having the advantage of, you know, different physicians, uh, physiotherapist office, and of course, ICBC directly, um, you know, referring clients to me, I was able to keep fairly busy, which, you know, kind of really raised the profile of me in that gym. People would see me more often, see me with more people. And by its very nature, people develop a trust. They see that, you know, you're busy and you must be doing a good job. And, you know, and so, you know, that, that went on for a couple of years. And then I started to develop numbness and tingling in my hands. Um, and, you know, 
I did a lot of manual therapy at the time. I was working, you know, deeply through muscles and stretching uh, and, and acupressure uh, points. And, you know, it took a really big toll on my hands uh, to a point where I wasn't really able to hold a fork and knife properly. Can't hold chopsticks. Even today, nowadays, uh, I'm not able to hold chair chopsticks for very long. You'll see me shake my hands under the table, uh, trying to kind of get the blood flow back in. Uh, and so at that time, I kind of realized I kind of needed a, a shift. I needed to find a way out. Uh, and I really didn't know what to do. I mean, I could go back to go find work. But, you know, oddly enough, I didn't find the corporate world very satisfying for me. Um, you know, it didn't matter how hard I worked. It didn't really matter how much effort I put into it, how, how much um, care I put into it. It just didn't seem like the system cared for somebody who was deeply passionate about trying to do a really good job for somebody else. And maybe I was just unfortunate. Maybe I just didn't find the right management, uh, didn't find the right people who kind of admired that. And, you know, quite frankly, I, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I would have stayed a uh, employee ever. Um, I don't know if I would have branched out just later on, but, you know, inevitably that, that drive to not be the one you know, working hard for somebody else uh, and not getting the recognition um, or the fair compensation that I felt I, I deserved um, really kind of put a sour taste in my mouth. And so, you know, I kind of knew I, I still wanted to do business in some way, shape and form. And service is really one of those things that I, I'm deeply passionate about. Uh, and somebody then one day suggested to me I do photography. Now, at the time, photography was really a hobby. It's taking pictures. Um, was one way, honestly, to meet women. Uh, and, and, you know, I took portraits. I, I took pictures of, you know, travel stuff. But, you know, really never thought about it as a profession. Uh, and so at the time, I, you know, the honest truth was just like, well, who, who does make money off of photography? Uh, who can make a real living out of it? But somewhere along the way, you know, my mind must have been just continually going at it. And I, I honestly can't remember because, you know, there was so much going on during that time um, between growing a clinic and trying to keep all those things afloat and now, you know, trying to find a way to transition out. And all these things kind of happened a very short amount of time. So anyways, uh, I did a little bit of research, realized that at the time uh, in the big book of, you know, yellow pages uh, and white pages, there really weren't that many photographers maybe 50-ish um, that were listed in any, in any given directory. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll give my, my own shot to it and see what happens. Uh, worst comes to worst, I, it doesn't work for me and you know, no, no big deal, not a huge amount of money lost, you know, fairly smallish investment um, you know, per se. So that's what I did. Um, I, I bought my first camera, flashed a couple of lenses uh, and so to get my first portfolio down, I, I did a, my first couple of weddings pro bono. Um, I had a, a wonderful friend um, who was kind enough to let me shadow him uh, and, and kind of tag along to create a wedding. And, you know, thank you, Michael. It was, uh, you know, it was him who gave me a, a chance to, to kind of, you know, see what that world was like. And, and at the time, I mean, he was doing lots of Indian weddings and, and I really got a chance to, to kind of sink my teeth into it without a lot of skin in the game. I mean, he was there. He handled a good chunk of that stuff. And, you know, from there, I, I did a second one. And, and at that point, I felt fairly comfortable with the parameters of weddings. And, you know, I said, I think I probably could do this. And so I charged my very first one. 
and it wouldn't be long. Uh, I grew really quickly. Uh, I started to get more clients and, you know, all of that was, you know, word of mouth, you know, doing, you know, my absolute best job as, you know, I could at the time to, you know, really serve the people that I was, you know, um, fortunate enough to photograph and who were in with me in the early days. Uh, you know, from film, I transitioned to the first wave of digital. Uh, and then shortly after that, I started to build a team. I realized that, you know, in order for me to, to really uh, make enough so that I could kind of pull myself out of uh, the rehab, I really needed to kind of expand, you know, just myself. I realized how much time it took to not just take the photograph, but to edit. And then of course, seeing clients and then the aftercare. And I really decided that, you know, in order for me to make this viable, uh, I knew that, you know, we were having clients, but I really needed to find a way to scale that. And so, you know, early on, I made a decision and this was a conscious decision uh, to create a company that was able to sustain uh, a fairly uh, standardized level of service and standardized level of photos. And, you know, as much as I could have gone boutique and just served my own, I realized in order for me to reach, uh, you know, what my real goal in life was, was to be able to do what I want when I want with whom I wanted to, uh, I kind of needed to build a business, needed to build a system a way for me to be able to pull myself out of it so I wasn't running day to day and wasn't exhausting myself to the ground. Uh, and as such, that's when I built my first team. And, you know, it was, you know, really amazing to, to grow this team and foster some of these people who were also starting their careers and who've gone on to do many great things. Some of them who are still photographers today and have, you know, their own clientele and, you know, are thriving in their business. Uh, but at the time, you know, we were all supporting each other and that was something that was really important. And so what I wanted to leave you here today, cause I really don't want to ramble on too, too much uh, about the start was, you know, wherever you're starting in a business, the first year, two years, even maybe three years, you're really trying to get the bearing. You're trying to make sure that you stay relevant in the market, that there's a place for it. You know, most of the times you're just, you're just trying to hang on for dear life. You're trying to make that rent, trying to make the payroll, just trying to, trying to make a go of the business. And, you know, it's frustrating at time. And I know it's really easy to get caught up in reading marketing books and business books and, you know, what should I do and whatnot. But I think at the time when you're really at the early stage of your business, stay really keen to, you know, your heart, you know, don't really overthink it too much. Listen to your heart, listen to the people, listen to, you know, and be observant about the things that are going on around you uh, and really kind of take it in take stock, take notice of all of these little things. Because if you're selling a product, you already uh, have an advantage if you're able to take some time out to evaluate where you are today and what's working. Because, you know, I think a lot of people have a misconception about what marketing is. Marketing is really an acceleration of that. It's how do you push the way that, you know, you already sell your products and services to more people. And you know, there's a caveat to that. And, and here's the caveat. And this is something that I stand by uh, for many, many years is try not to market if you're not ready to handle the capacity. Instead, take your time to focus and build your business. 
build it so that you can sustain the load uh, for a longer duration. Because what happens is if you market and your product is successful, you're going to run into a crossroads where you're not going to be able to handle that capacity. And when you can't handle the capacity, then it starts to damage your reputation. Now, if you're in the game for the long haul, then the reputation is really, really important. And rather than accelerate to try to earn an extra dollar, uh, maybe spending some time to make sure that you're you know, earning an extra fan is really a, a better approach. Now it's different if you're, if you're trying to build a business that is, you know, going to be put up for sale or, you know, quick, quick uh, in and out of, of the market, then yes, you can market, push that product out, just, you know, get the volume through. Um, but if you're going to talk about brand and you're going to talk about, you know, you know, marketing for the long haul, having a very stable evergreen business that can scale with you, you know, that you could pass on to your children. And then I would probably suggest, you know, maybe not looking at marketing so early on, but taking stock about what things are successful. Uh, and then, you know, working more on the business and the systems internally. And so for my next podcast, I really wanted to, uh, kind of dive into a little bit more about how we coagulate brand and what brand kind of really encompasses, uh, at least in my opinion, on, you know, how we can take, you know, all the things that we call marketing uh, and, and all the things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis and how do we coagulate that into something that we can use to go and attract more people that we love. Uh, and, and of course the people that love our products and services, how can we attract more of those people in a way that is organic, authentic, and true to the way that you are today. So that's going to be it for the podcast today. I don't really want to, uh, to ramble on too, too long. I kind of try to keep it around the 20 minute, 30 minute marks as with all my other podcasts, but stay tuned for the next time that I drop this, which will probably be in about three weeks from now. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about personal brand, uh, your actions, your reputations, and how that influences your business. So again, if you're first time listening to this podcast, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really looking forward to sharing uh, lots of knowledge, um, you know, that I've accumulated over the last, you know, two to three decades uh, of, of being in business. And of course, you know, keep staying tuned as I interview other people who are specialists in their, in their fields and, you know, asking relevant questions that you might have, you know, thought about or, you know, be curious about and, maybe never had the opportunity to ask. So if you have something that you want me to go explore, feel free, leave a comment, send me a message on either Instagram or Twitter. Uh, I'd be happy to connect with you and, you know, try to find ways to add value to uh, your, your time here on this podcast. So until next time, thank you for joining me. Have an awesome day and go and get all the, the, the abundance that you really uh, deserve um, because, you know, I'm sure that you're putting the hard work in. So until next time, thank you again for joining me. Appreciate it. Have a great day. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Your time is valuable, and I'm deeply humbled that you're spending that time with me. I want to make this channel something really great, something you can really enjoy and get a lot of value out of. So if you have any suggestions or comments, please connect with me and let me know. If you enjoyed this content, I'd love it if you'd share it with somebody else and if you'd leave a comment on iTunes for me. 
This helps me rank higher on the search engines. And as always, tune in next week as we dig deeper into marketing and business. Until next time, have a great day.